Brian Heinrich's a better surfer than you realized, right? That was great. This is uh, Com- Cannonball Commitment Sunday. It's a celebration. I love the festive look in here. Would you take your worship folder out? There's some announcements in there that you're going to want to see. One that I really want to highlight is next weekend. There is a seminar. It's a leadership seminar, but it's open to anyone in our church. It's for women only. It's called the, the Private Habits of a Public Leader. It's talking about your pri- private quiet time with prayer and Bible study. is very practical. You're going to walk away with some really good tools. It's for women only. It's next Sunday. Kelly Hart's leading it. Need you to write it on your Connect card or to call the church office if you're going to go. We need to know how many to expect. So if you'll sign up for that, I guarantee you it'll be well worth your time. And as I said, this is Cannonball Commitment Sunday. We're talking about going all in with our lives and our time and our just our resources, everything with us to make a cannonball splash of generosity that will have ripples for years to come. And you know, when we do that, the effect can make a world of difference. It's just up to us to be willing to do it. I give you a great example of somebody going all in and being generous and the kind of ripples it can have. It happened in 2009 in Menlo Park, California to Trader Joe's. So a woman named Jenny Ware is at the checkout counter. She runs all her groceries through. She gets to the order. The check cashier says it's $207. She opens her purse only to have that sinking feeling. You ever done this? She opens her purse and her wallet is not there. $207 worth of groceries, all bagged up, sitting here at the end of the, the line, ready to go, and she has no money. And she's going, oh, what do I do? The woman behind her in line was a woman named Carol Lee Hazard. Carol Lee's never met Jenny before. She sees her situation. She's sympathetic. She says, let me take care of this for you. You can pay me back. She puts her own credit card down, pays for uh, Jenny's groceries. Well, the next day, Carol Lee gets this really nice thank you note in the mail from Jenny. It says, thank you so much for bailing me out in that spot. I know you don't know me, but thank you. And enclosed is a check for $300. And she wrote in her thank you note, just use the $93 to get a massage. Do something nice for yourself. Carol Lee's like, I don't really want a massage. I want to, you know, maybe use this to bless somebody else. So she starts thinking, what can I do with this extra $93 that I've got for helping this woman out? She couldn't come up with any ideas, so she turned to her friends on Facebook and said, what do you all think I ought to do? Well, one of the people that responded to her said, here's what you ought to do. Take that $93 and donate it to Second Harvest Food Bank. Their mission is to feed hungry people. It would be awesome to do that. So Caroline's like, Caroline's like, sure, sounds like a great idea. So she writes a check for $186. She took Jenny's $93. She matched it with $93 of her own, sent it in. Told her friends on Facebook what she did. The idea caught root. A $93 club formed on, formed on Facebook. It was make a contribution of $93 to the Second Harvest Food Bank, 93 cents, do whatever. Just some multiple of 93, make a gift to the Second Harvest Food Bank. Do you know within a year, over $100,000 was donated to the food bank? All because one woman said, let me take care of your groceries for you. You can pay me back tomorrow. One act of generosity can have a ripple effect for years to come. You know what keeps me awake at night? Sometimes when I wake up, I imagine what kind of an impact all of us together could make if we were all willing to go all in and be generous people, generous with our time, generous with our resources, generous before the Lord to say, Lord, here's my life. Use it how you want. The ripples may go on into eternity. There may be people, there will be people in heaven because of the commitments that we make today. So what we do is important. We're here at Commitment Sunday for Cannonball. It is your time to go all in. If you're a guest here this morning, if you've missed out on this and you're like, what is this? It's okay to sit back and relax, but you get to see our church in action as we put our faith into action. And today we're making some serious commitments to the Lord. It's our time to go all in. And I want you to think about this. Of all the people God could have had come be a part of this church at this time, he chose you. I mean, you could have been anywhere but here today and during this time in our church's life. You could have been in another church 
You could have not been in any church at all. But God puts you here at this time and this season for a reason. And I believe that it's why we're here. And I believe God has done some great things through us in the past. Uh, connection has got off to a great start, wouldn't you agree? However, I believe that what's to come is going to eclipse everything that's gone before as we go all in and God uses us. I want you to picture this in your mind. Can you imagine being in heaven like 150 years from now? Hopefully that's not hard for you to imagine. Can you imagine being in heaven 150 years from now? And someone comes up to you and they're like, thank you. Like, thank you, I don't even know you. What, what do you mean thank you? Well, I know, I know you don't know me, but I want you to know that on December 12, 2086, I became a Christian at Connection Christian Church. I was baptized into Jesus Christ on that day. And so I just want to say thank you for going all in back in 2013. Because of what you did, there was a church there to lead me to Christ. Can you imagine that there will be people in heaven someday because of what our church does together right now? I think that's what the Lord has in mind for us. And so what we've asked you to do over the last several weeks is to engage in a spiritual process where we all prayerfully consider what is it that God's calling on us to do, all of us together. Now I want you to watch me, please. because This is important. Focus because the Lord is calling on us to do something great, and this is our chance to do it. We've prayerfully considered, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with my resources? And we've considered on that commitment card, what does it look like to jump, to go all in? And today's the day where we do that. We set several high goals over the next two years. They're so big that if the Lord's not in it, it's not going to happen. But we believe, prayerfully so, that the Lord has called us to do this. And so when we respond, we're going to see the Lord do some great things through us over the next two years. We've set the goal financially that we will see $1 million in offerings over the next two years, $500,000 a year for the next two years. We've set commitments in terms of service that's going to take all of us serving together. There are so many things that the Lord has called us to do, but it's going to take us saying yes to what he asks us to do. It's a big goal. It's scary. Sometimes when you get to the edge of what you think you can do and then you feel like the Lord's calling you beyond that, it's scary. But it's also thrilling and exhilarating because you get to learn to trust the Lord. I'll tell you this morning as we, we make our commitments, we are not the first people to go to the edge and then go beyond because God's called us to do that. We're not the first people to do this. God's been calling his people all through history to do what we're about to do. And you look... And you realize, is it scary to go where, where I've never been before to maybe do something I've never done? Yes, but I learned to trust the Lord so much more. Don't you? When God says, do this, and you go, I don't think I can, and then you do it, and you realize the Lord is faithful. It's an amazing thing. I want you to turn in your Bible to the Old Testament book of Joshua this morning. Turn to Joshua. It's the sixth book in the Bible. So if you go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, you get there. And it's a great example of God's people trusting him and going all in. So we're going to start and look at this. We're going to start in the very first verse of Joshua chapter 1. This will be up on the screen. It says here, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Now, let me get the backstory here as we begin looking at Joshua's story. You have to go back 40 years before. God sent Moses to a place called Egypt, to the leadership of Egypt, to the, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and he said to Pharaoh, 
God has sent me here to tell you that I want you to let my people go. The, the Israelites that you've made slaves, God says it's time for them to go. They're going to go to a land that God's promised them. And Pharaoh looks and he says, I don't think so. It's a free labor force. I'm not letting them go anywhere. God says, fine, we'll do this the hard way. So God sends a series of ten decimating plagues. Totally destroys the Egyptian economy. Ten plagues, Pharaoh finally relents. He says, okay, you can go. Moses starts leading the people out of Egypt. Pharaoh changes his mind again. And so he sends his army after the Israelites. There's between two and four million people leaving Egypt. And the armies are coming after them. They don't know what they're going to do. They're trapped at the edge of the Red Sea. And God parts the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. They completely are saved. Pharaoh's armies try to follow through in the Red Sea and the army is uh, drowned as the, the sea comes back together. And so God delivered these people. This is 40 years ago. Moses led them out. It was supposed to be a two-year journey from Egypt to the land of Canaan that God had promised them that would become one day would become Israel. Two years, and they get there, and they're standing on the edge of the Jordan River, ready to go into the land God promised them, and they chickened out. They looked at all the obstacles, and they said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do it. God says, fine. If you don't trust me, then you don't get the land. I'm going to let you wander for the next 40 years in the desert while you all die because you didn't believe me. And here's why. It says says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't trust him enough to obey him, then God says, I can't work with you. So when we get to Joshua, it's now 40 years later. That generation has died off that did not trust the Lord. They're back at the banks of the Jordan River again, and God says, all right, let's try this again. We'll start with a new generation. This is the land I promised you. Will you go and take it? Joshua, you're now in charge. Moses is dead. Will you go in and take the land I've promised you? And so they're at the edge of this vision, and I feel like we're in some ways at the same kind of the edge of the banks of something new that God's given us a vision for. There's a future out there that's potentially real. And it's really up to us about whether or not we're going to trust God and go to the edge and then go beyond. And so as we make our cannonball commitments today, I want to use the story of Joshua to paint a picture of what that kind of faith looks like. If you're thinking, what does it mean for me to have faith in God? Well, let's look at what they did here in the first chapter of Joshua. If you go on down to verse 5, this is God speaking to Joshua. It's almost like he's a coach. He said, Joshua, you can do this. Look at verse 5. God says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Down to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Again, like he's a coach. Three times God says, Joshua, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. And here's the first thing we learn about faith, if you want to write this down. Faith confronts fears rather than running from fears. When you're afraid of something, faith says, I'm going to confront that fear. I'm going to bring that into the light. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. If you allow those twin parasites of fear and discouragement to attach themselves to your soul, they will suck the life right out of the vision that God has given you. You see this future that could be and should be, but then if you start getting afraid and you start getting discouraged, you will start to lose that vision that God has put before you. But God says, listen, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. If you take your card and if there's some things that are scary to write down, good, because that means the Lord's leading you there. Don't be afraid. God's with us. You know, the best thing we can do when we're afraid of something, I found this to be true for me. If you're afraid of something, bring it into the light. Things are not nearly as scary once you turn the lights on. 
if you're scared of something, if you're worried about something, write it down. So what is it about maybe making a commitment this morning that scares you? Let's bring it into the light. Maybe for you this morning, the line that scares you on that jump card is the, the financial line. And it's an honest fear. I get it. And the fear is something like this. You know, if I make a commitment to this, and if I go financially maybe beyond where I think I can, what if something happens later and I don't have enough? What if I make this commitment and I can't carry through? It's a legitimate fear. Let's bring it into the light. You know, for what it's worth, I'll just give you my own personal experience on this. So it is my personal experience. Take it for what it's worth. But I have never experienced personally, I have never heard of anyone being generous before the Lord and then suffering for it later. I've never encountered that. And don't just take my word for it, though. Listen to what somebody in the Bible once said. This is in Psalm 37, 25. This man said, I was young, and yet now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I mean, it's a fear. It's an, a, a fear we need to talk about, but bring it into the light. Will God really leave you on your own if you're generous before him financially? Maybe a, a fear for you is, is along these lines. What if we don't reach our goal? You know, we've made some big commitments in terms of service and service to our community and service in the church. We made some big commitments financially, a million dollars over two years in offerings. It's pretty big. It's almost double what we're doing now. What if we don't make that goal? Again, let's bring that fear into the light and talk about it. It's a legitimate fear. I want you to be assured of something. Our leadership here is wise. Our elders are new, but they're good. And our leaders have prayed about this. We've thought about this. We have talked to experts in this area. We've talked to Harvester. We have set a big goal, but it is not an unreasonable goal. More than that, we've put stages to this. So if we get to the end of two years, what happens if we don't have as much money as we thought saved up for the down payment for property? Well, I can think of several things that could be. One, maybe it just takes us a little bit longer to buy the property than we thought. Two, maybe the Lord blesses us with a piece of property that doesn't cost as much as we thought it would. I mean, so many ways that the Lord can take care of this. You just ignore it to do nothing. I would much rather set a high goal and not reach it than to set no goal at all and be successful at that. I want you to think about it this way. Uh, Corrie Ten Boom once said this. She was a, uh, in a prisoner of war camp, uh, one of the concentration camps in World War II. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It's a legitimate fear, but bring it into the light. Is God really going to lead us to a place only to abandon us? I mean, does that sound like God to you? Is that kind of the thing we've come to expect from our Heavenly Father? I mean, for you, maybe the fear as you take that commitment card is that first line, your relationship with Jesus. And maybe for you, you know there's some things that are out of whack in your relationship with God. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the scariest thing to you is to write down on that card, there's some things in my life that don't belong and they need to go. Or there's some things in my life that I know God's calling on me to do, and maybe he's calling on you to give your heart to him for the first time ever, and you're scared because you're worried about what your family is going to think, you're worried about your friends, you're worried about things you've grown very accustomed to in your life and doing without them. Again, does it sound like your heavenly father to take you to a place that's only going to do you harm? Does that sound like a perfect father to you? In every area of my life, I've always experienced God calling me to do something, and if I've ever been afraid to do it, once I've actually obeyed him and done it, I've immediately thought, why didn't I just do this quicker? This is, this is the best thing that could have ever been done. My heavenly father is wise. Bring those fears into the light. 
Well, fast forward in your Bible to Joshua chapter 3. Let's see what happens next. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1. So it says, after God talked to Joshua, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites went out to the unfortunately named Shittim. If you've ever wondered how to pronounce that, it's Shittim. (laughs) And they went on out to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Now look down verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So they're on the banks of the Jordan River, a place they've never been before. And they're standing on the edge of something that God has told them that they can expect, a land that will be their very own. And it's an extraordinary promise that God gave them. They're getting ready to move into a country that's ready to go. It's fully furnished. This land already has homes that have been built. The pantries are full. The fields have been plowed and planted. The vineyards are cultivated. There's Everything you need is sitting here waiting for you. God's promised this incredible vision. Now, yes, there are people living there. No, they're not really excited about giving up their homes and their fields and their vineyards to you guys. Yes, they are wicked people who are very evil, who are militarily strong. Yes, they have walls around their cities, but God's promised you that land. He's going to use you to bring judgment on these wicked people. It's all yours. Just go in and get it. And here's the second lesson that we learn about faith from all of this. Faith focuses on the vision and not on the obstacles. Faith focuses on the vision that God has given you, not the obstacles that stand in the way. Whenever you face a vision from God, a thing that can be, will there be obstacles? Absolutely. I mean, the people of Israel could have come up with a lot of reasons why they didn't want to go across the Jordan River. They could have repeated what their parents and their grandparents' generation had done 40 years before when they were standing on the same place. They could have said, those people are too strong, they're too big, they're going to fight us, and we're going to... They didn't do that because they focused on the vision. God had told them, I promised this land to you and I'm going to give it to you. They didn't focus on the obstacles, they focused on the vision. As you trust in God and faith, you're going to have to do the same thing. As you've prayed about this, what is it that God has asked you to do? As you've prayed about this, what is it that God has asked you to write down on that card? You need to focus on the vision of what God has said he's going to do through all of us, not on all the obstacles that you see. I think it was Henry Ford who said, obstacles are those frightful things that you see when you take your eyes off your goal. I would modify that and paraphrase it just a little bit for us. Obstacles are those scary things you see when you take your eyes off the vision that God has given you. The future that could be, the future that should be, the future that you can see that God's leading us into. You take your eyes off God and you start looking at that, that's when you're starting to get scared. As you go all in, just understand that all of us are going to do what we can. I've said this every week. I hope you hear me on this. This is not about money. This is not like I want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to look at your commitment card and be proud that you are making a sacrifice, that you're giving up something you love for something you love more. I want you to be a little bit scared because I know it's from the Lord, but I want you to know that whatever you're doing, the Lord will bless that far beyond whatever it is that you do. And you may look at it again and you may say, well, this is not much compared to our goals. Don't look at the goal. You look at God. And you just realize that whatever it is you're going to do, God can multiply that far beyond. We all can have a part to play in this. You just have to be faithful to play the part that God's calling on you to play. I heard about several guys who were out camping one night. 
They're out in the middle of the woods. They're sitting around a campfire, kind of like we are guys at the men's retreat next, uh, next month out at Larry DeGraff's cabin. So these guys are out in the woods. They're sitting around the campfire. And there's this little scrawny guy. And he kind of likes to egg people on. And he's sitting next to this big brawny dude. So he's sitting there and he's kind of thinking, how can I egg this guy on? He says to the big guy, you know, if I was as big and strong as you are, I'd go out in the woods right now. I'd find me the biggest bear I could find, biggest, meanest, baddest bear. I'd slap that bear right across the face. I'd tear that bear limb from limb. That's what I'd do if I was a big guy like you. Big guy looked at the little scrawny guy and said, bet there's some little bears out in the woods too. <laughs> go take your pick. Your contribution matters. What you sacrifice in terms of your time and your resources over the next two years matter. No one of us can do this by ourselves. It's all of us, our church, together, making this cannibal jump. And then at the end of it, even that's not enough if God's not in it. So we're all going to do what we can. So don't look at the obstacles in front of us. Look at the God who's calling us. Look at the vision he's called us to as you make your commitment. Well, let's see what happened when they made this cannonball jump. Look down in verse 14. This is what happened. So the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, verse 15. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. There's another obstacle. I didn't even tell you about that one. Jordan River is at flood stage, and they've got to cross it. And yet, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap several miles upstream, and the water that was there before going down to the Dead Sea, it was all gone. And so, look what happened. So the people crossed over to the opposite side to Jericho. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Can you get that picture in your mind? We experience this all the time in Missouri. This is not hard. Imagine standing on the edge of the Missouri River or the Mississippi River at flood stage. You got that picture in your mind? Brown water flowing by. It's deep. And they're standing at the edge of a river that's at flood stage, and they're all thinking, do what? You want me to cross this? Hey, God, I've got an idea. How about you stop the water, and then we'll cross over? They had to step into the water. But what happened as soon as the priest stepped into the water? It stopped. But what was the order? First they had to step out, and then God acted. And that's the lesson that we need to learn from this. As we look at this, the final thing we need to understand is that faith moves forward no matter how you feel because God promised a good outcome. Those priests, I'm sure, they stood at the edge of the water thinking, I hope this works. They stepped forward no matter how they felt because God promised them, you're going to be on the other side. You are going to take this land. So no matter how they felt about it, they obeyed God. And that's faith in a nutshell. You can think of a thousand reasons not to make a cannibal commitment this morning. Is it hard to talk someone off the high dive? Not at all. You can probably think of a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do something this morning. But if God's called you to do it, the best place you can be is to step forward and make that commitment. And it would be so easy to pray something like this. God, I really want to do something for cannonball, so will you bless me? Will you bless me with more time? Will you bless me financially so that I can do something for Cannonball? And you know, I, I'm not going to speak for the Lord on this, but I'm, I'm guessing that the Lord may be saying to you, no, I want you to trust me and step out first. Because if I give you everything, will you ever learn to trust me if you never have to depend on me? That's the essence of faith. 
It's going forward because you know God's promised you something and you don't have it yet. You just have trust that he's going to come through for you. Acting on that vision. This morning, it's our turn to do what the people of Israel did 3,500 years ago at the edge of the Jordan River. This morning, it's our turn to do what Christians have been doing for over 2,000 years. It's our turn to trust God and go all in. Just honesty time. I'll be very open with you about this. I can't tell you how many times God has asked me to do something that I've thought, there's no way I can do this. God, why are you asking me to do this? There's plenty of other people who could do this much better than me. Why are you asking me to do this? And I've stood at the edge, and I've seen what I think God is calling me to do, and I don't want to go there. Every time I have obeyed God and went ahead and stepped into the thing he was asking me to do that was scary to me, as soon as I do it, I realize, why was I even afraid of doing this? It worked out. And every single time I think, I will remember this next time God asks me to do something bigger than me because it works out. And every single time I get to the edge again, and every single time I think, I don't know if I can do this. I'm a pastor and I feel that way. I understand if you're feeling that way. But when the Lord calls you to do something, it's to stretch us, to teach us to depend on him and trust him more, to see that he is faithful and that he will provide for us. I've had a lot more time to think about Cannonball than you have. I've known for over a year now that this was coming, so I've had a lot more soak time than you. And so I've known this was coming. So Kirsten and I, before Cannonball even started, we, we already talked about our financial commitments. And not to get into any detail, but as we started talking about Cannonball and making an all-in commitment, we're kind of like, you know, we've been more than all-in with this church for a while now, and now we're going to do more for Cannonball? But we talked about it, and we prayed about it. We came to some ideas. We, th- we can sacrifice this. We can not do this for two years. We can do- we'll do this. And we came up with a number, and we wrote that number down. And we were good. Once we made the commitment, it was great. Until one night, I woke up. I'm, I just still remember this. I woke up in the middle of the night and thought, we're going to give how much? <laughs> That's just in terms of finance, not even in terms of time or anything else. When the Lord leads you to do something, he's going to provide There's no exception, again, not to get into any details about it, but we just made the commitment, and we said, this is what we're going to do. We think this is what the Lord's calling us to do. The Lord already started changing some things in our finances and blessed us with some stuff we had no way of anticipating or expecting. We haven't even started giving the new cannonball level of commitment yet financially, and he's already taken care of some of it for us. No need to fear. I feel very comfortable telling you this, if you make a commitment to the Lord, it may be a financial blessing that you receive. Many times in my life, we have been blessed financially because we decided without expecting anything back from the Lord that we're just going to go out there and do something he's called us to do. And he's blessed us financially, and he may do that for you too. I've talked to many people that he's done that. But the blessing for you may not be financial. It may be in some other way that he blesses you. It may be that for the first time ever, your priorities are in line with what God wants you to do. It may be some other way that he blesses you. It may be that as you make a commitment to Jesus or in your priority or in your time that you find things that you never could have expected until you just trusted the Lord to do what he asked you to do with all those realms. So we're ready to make our jump. Would you take your commitment card out? Everybody's got one in your folder. You can at least look at it. And maybe you come this morning and you've not had as much time to think about this. You can still look at that because I want to walk through one last time what it looks like to make a jump. And wherever you are, there may be something on that card that God's calling on you to do. So let's talk about this one last time. You start with Jesus, and that's the foundational point. Is everything right between you and God? I mean, if this is not right, nothing else matters. Have you 
committed your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you looked to him and said, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And have you said that before other people? Have you committed your life to Christ? Have you done the first thing Jesus commanded his disciples to do, which is to be immersed? Have you done that foundational thing and said, I'm all in and I'm all in the water? Jesus did it and Jesus commanded us to do it. Have you gone all in with Jesus? If not, is there something you need to write on that card today? Use of time. Be very honest with you, for some of you, this is the hardest thing you're going to fill out on that card. You'll say, I'll write a check for any amount you want, but I am way too busy. I cannot give up any more of my time. Maybe the Lord is calling on you to adjust some things in your schedule, to rearrange some things in your calendar, to give some more time. What is it with the use of your time that the Lord's calling on you to do? Write it down. Your money and your resources. I'll just ask you, and I'm, I'm not going to ask you face-to-face, one-on-one, but I'm going to ask you as a group, are you making a commitment there that's truly a sacrifice? If we all just make a commitment that's easy and we won't even miss it, if we continue to do what we're doing now, we will not reach our goal. What's the Lord telling you to do there? Again, to just reiterate this one more time, because I know a lot of us have come from different churches and we're like, is what I'm writing down like above and beyond? I know there's been a lot of questions about this, The simplest way I can say it is what you put in that circle, just ignore the worksheet. What goes in that circle is what do you plan on giving over the next two years in offerings? If the number that goes in that circle is what it's been for the last two years, maybe that's what the Lord's called on you to do, but we're challenging you to go above that, that we all go all in financially. And finally, in the area of your priorities, have you put your plans in the Lord's hands? And again, I want you to know this. If you write this on this card, these cards are going to be kept confidential. There will only be a few elders who will see this card, but is there something in your life that does not belong that needs to go away? Have you made something too important or something that should not be in your life at all very important to you? Do you need to repent and confess something? Feel free to write it down on that card. This morning, we're making real commitments to the Lord that will have a ripple for years to come. This is your chance to jump. You got your card. Do you have your journey stone? I want you to take your journey stone out because we're going to use these right now. In just a moment, we're going to take those stones and those cards. We're going to bring them to the tank, and it's time to jump. The band's going to come down. And I want to describe what we're going to do here in just a moment. But first, I want to read something from Joshua that will explain the journey stones. This is in Joshua chapter 4, starting down in verse 1. The whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood. So picture this in your mind. The priests have stood in the middle of the dry riverbed of the Jordan River that was at flood stage. Now it's dry. 12 men go out into the river. They pick up the biggest rock that they can pick up. They carry it out to the other side of the Jordan River, and they set these 12 stones down, and they create a monument. And everyone's children and grandchildren, when they go by there and say, Dad, what's that pile of rocks over there? What's that monument? They were to tell their children and grandchildren, this is where the Lord dried up the river. This is where we crossed into the land God had promised us. You got that journey stone, and it's been a a, kind of a symbol of the commitment we're making together. Here in just a moment, we're going to bring our our journey stones and our cards to this tank right here. And you can drop your stone into there and watch the ripples. There's a place underneath the tank for you to put your commitment card. And we're going to do this together as families. Every single person here can do this. Even if you say, I'm new here, I'm not sure I'm ready to make a commitment yet, I'm not even sure what's going on, 
If you want to simply bring the stone we gave you and drop that in and say, I'm willing to take the next steps in my journey with God, you can come down and express that just by dropping the stone in the water and watching the ripples. If you say, I don't have a journey stone, or you're saying, I want to keep my journey stone, as a reminder, on the communion table right there, there are extra stones. You can take one and you can go drop one in the tank. I'd like to invite you to stand right now and let's pray. And then as the band is playing and as we're singing this song, when you are ready, you come together as a family. You come to that tank. You drop the stones. You put your commitment cards in there. You make your commitment to the Lord. Let's pray right now. Father, for the last four weeks and and longer, we've consecrated ourselves. We've prayed about this. We've been seeking you. We've been asking you what it is you want us to do. And it's time, Father. For many of us, today is the day where we're going to make our commitments. I pray you would take what we do this morning and you would bless it far beyond us. I pray over the next weeks as more and more commitment cards come in that I honestly am praying that we would reach our goal, but even if we don't, I pray that whatever we do would be within your will. Uh, We're moving out in faith. We're trusting you. We're going into an area that's a little bit scary. We believe it's the place you've called us to go as a church, though. And Father, I pray that everyone here this morning would know your heart, first of all, that you love us, that you care for us, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. I pray that everyone here would know our hearts as leaders in this church, that we don't want anything from anyone. We want something for all of us together. That we want to just do this as a way of trusting you, as a way of saying that we believe that what you've placed us here to do is to call lost people. And we want to be found doing what you've asked us to do. And Father, I want to pray for the people who are in this room this morning who've maybe been far from you and they feel like maybe they can't even come back to you. And I pray that you would encourage their heart with your love they would know that there's nowhere that we can go, that we can escape your love, that there's nothing in the world, nothing in the universe that can separate us from you, that all we need to simply do is to come to you and trust you, and you're right there. So this morning, Father, we make our commitments. We trust you, and we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.